0: Welcome to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you have never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church you connect with, you belong here. To learn more about Collective, you can follow us on social media at My Collective Church, or head to www.mycollective.church. It is officially the Christmas season, so we'd like to take a moment to share our Christmas plans with you. This year, Collective will be hosting three identical in-person Christmas Eve services that you won't want to miss. There'll be one service on December 23rd at 5 p.m. and two on December 24th at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. We will also have an online service on December 24th at 8 p.m. We would love for you to pick a service, grab your friends and your family and your neighbors and come celebrate with us. Also, to help us get ready to celebrate the life-changing story of Christmas, we have created an Advent calendar that is available on the Church Center app so you can live out the spirit of Christmas every single day. The calendar is complete with a passage from the Bible for you to read and a challenge that will help you share Christmas with your friends, family, neighbors, and coworkers this Christmas season. Don't forget to tag us on social media whenever you complete a challenge or are impacted by a passage you read because we'd love to share your story with others. Now let's jump into Sunday's message from our Share Christmas series. Merry Christmas, Collective. Um, I don't know if words can truly express how it feels tonight. Uh, Last year, After doing church online for nine months, we were hoping to host our first Christmas Eve services in this building. Uh, But we actually found out in early December that the renovation on this space was delayed and we wouldn't get occupancy in time. Uh, And honestly, it was heartbreaking. And so last year we spent Christmas together online. And while I'm so thankful for the team that put everything together because they did such an amazing job, there is nothing greater than being able to celebrate with you all in person, in this space. Uh, And honestly, I'm a person that tends to take things for granted, um, but I'm not going to take tonight or tomorrow night for granted. So thank you for being here with us for our first Christmas Eve services in our new home. You guys are actually the first people to do Christmas Eve in our new home. Um, This is something that I'm going to cherish forever, and I certainly hope it's something that you cherish forever as well. Uh, So getting started today, I I want you to think about your biggest pet peeve. What is the thing that you find especially annoying and just sets you off? And every time you see someone do that thing or say that thing, you kind of start to twitch a little bit, and you just, where you stare at them and you telepathically try to get them to stop. I decided to Google the top pet peeves, and I was expecting to find like a bunch of top 10 lists, but instead I found an article titled, The 60 Worst Pet Peeves Practically Everyone Finds Annoying. And I thought, that's a ton of pet peeves. And then I came across an article titled, The Ultimate List of 91 Bad Peeves That Can Drive You Crazy, 91. Listen, if you have 91 pet peeves, you might need more than Jesus, I'm just saying. <laughs> but the best article I found was from the Huffington Post. And what they did is they, they polled a bunch of people and they created a list of the 76 uh, most annoying pet peeves. And I just wanna share some of them with you all tonight, uh, but don't elbow the person next to you, okay? It's the Christmas season, be nice to them tonight. But on that list, number 53 was people who reply all when they don't have to. <laughs> now, do you think that's too high or too low, 53? Yeah, it's way too low. I, that's, I think that's a top 10, uh, especially, especially when you get the email at the very bottom it says, you don't need to reply all, and someone's like, reply all, they do it anyways. Number 26 was when you let a car cut in front of you and they don't wave to say thank you. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. I'm reading this list and like, clearly this was not made in the DMV because we don't let people in front of us over here. Um, number 13 was people who use too many hashtags on Instagram, right, hashtag Mary, hashtag Christmas, hashtag Merry Christmas, hashtag Christmas is my favorite, hashtag Mary, did you know? Yes, she did know, okay, we know that. Number three, people who are always late. Yeah, hmm, some, <laughs> awkward. Uh, And the number one pet peeve, which you probably can guess, is people who chew with their mouth open. I know, it's just the worst. Now, if you would have asked me four or five years ago, I would have said that is 100% my biggest pet peeve. Chewing noises are the worst. But since having kids, I think my biggest pet peeve has become being interrupted. Right? Not just being interrupted while I'm talking, just interruptions in general. You know, as a person, I love consistency. I love predictability. I don't like surprises. I am not a big fan of sudden changes. I don't like being interrupted. And some of you are wondering, how did he survive the past few years of the pandemic? It's a great question. There's been a lot of therapy. <laughs> but I hate interruptions. Quite possibly, the weirdest interruption I've ever experienced was actually when I was in middle school. Uh, My family had just started going to church for the first time ever. We had some neighbors who had invited us for years, and we'd been saying no for years. But one fall, we finally caved, and we showed up to church. And the church was a new church plant. It was a lot like collective. And from the moment we walked in, we loved it. We started going every week. And after attending for a few months, my parents invited one of the pastors and his wife over for dinner so they could talk through some of the hard questions they had about God and faith. So a couple named Dan and Shannon came over, and after dinner, me and my siblings split up. We kind of did our own thing while they had their conversation. And about 20 minutes into their chat, this incredibly disgusting smell started to spread through our house. I legitimately had never and still haven't ever smelled anything as wretched as this smell. Like, I can't even begin to describe it to you outside of think of the smelliest thing you've ever smelled in your life. It was worse than that. So while my parents are talking to Dan and Shannon, they're looking at each other thinking, Did someone just fart? And I promise you, this is a completely true story. And while Dan and Shannon are thinking that my parents let one rip, my parents are thinking, oh my gosh, the pastor is farting in our house, and it smells like death. (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm in the other room, I'm watching this whole thing play out, and I'm thinking, whoever smelt it dealt it, because I was a middle schooler. But the smell was so bad that it stopped everything. And after sitting there for what felt like an eternity, our family cat, who's named Cuddles, walked into the room. See, what had happened was Cuddles was an orange, long-haired, mostly outdoor cat that kind of looked like this. This isn't actually Cuddles, but it looked like that. And Cuddles had walked over a candle in the other room and singed the bottom of his belly fur. So the smell in our house was burnt outdoor cat fur. So yes, my cat caught on fire while my parents were talking about baptism with their pastor. Yes, the cat was okay. Later, Dan told us that he was 100% positive my family would never go to church again because they thought we thought the smell came from them. And my parents said that if Cuddles didn't walk into the room, there was no way we were ever going back to that church because it was so embarrassing. But it interrupted everything. Right? The very serious conversation about faith was interrupted and never got back on track that night because we had to make sure the cat was okay and figure out how to get the smell out of our house. Whether intentional or unintentional, interruptions are the worst. But if the past few years have taught us anything, is that interruptions are constant and they are inevitable. Over the past few weeks at Collective, we've been going through the story of the birth of Jesus, and something that stood out to me that I've never noticed before is that the Christmas story is full of interruptions. I mean, think about it. The story of Jesus' birth starts with the angel Gabriel coming to Elizabeth and Zechariah's life, and he's telling them that they're gonna give birth to a son, even though Elizabeth was incapable of having kids and they were both really too old to be parents. God interrupted their life and gave them a child who would eventually lead the way for Jesus and his ministry. Then the angel went to Mary and told her that she was going to give birth to a son who would be the savior of the world, even though she was a virgin. God interrupted her life, her plans, her future marriage, her purpose by choosing her to raise the son of God. Then the angel went to Joseph, who was actually planning on divorcing Mary because he was skeptical of the whole virgin birth thing, and the angel told him to stick with her because she was telling the truth. God interrupted Joseph's plans of having a normal family and a normal marriage with Mary, but God also interrupted Joseph's plans to quietly leave Mary and encouraged him to stick it out and to trust God. The story of the birth of Jesus is a story of interruptions. It's a story where people who are living their lives have God intervene. And I think it's really easy to overlook this because the Christmas season just feels so magical. The lights, the trees, the gifts, the whimsy often stop us from seeing that this is a story that has real people with real lives who experience real things. So here's what we're going to do tonight We're gonna finish reading the story of the birth of Jesus that's found in the book of Luke in the New Testament of the Bible. And we're gonna read about the last interruption in the Christmas story, which I think is the most important one. And I would just encourage you, if you hear this story tonight and you wanted to know all the things that led up to this moment, what you can do is you can go on Spotify or YouTube and search for Collective Church, and you can listen to the sermons that led up to this one tonight. And so we pick up the story, and it's been nine months since God interrupted Mary and Joseph's lives forever. And the Roman emperor at the time was a guy named Augustus, and he decided to take a census. And because of that, Joseph had to travel back to Bethlehem, which is where his family was from, and Mary had to go with him. And so they make this three day, 70 mile trek, and that's where you pick it up in Luke 2, starting in verse 6. It says And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. And so ultimately, while they're in Bethlehem, Mary gives birth to Jesus. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, which is just another word for an animal trough. And she did that because there was no lodging available for them. We actually dove really deep into this last year at Christmas, but I want to remind us that Jesus wasn't born in a barn because all the rooms were booked up because Joseph waited too long to book the Airbnb. It was because nobody wanted them. And it wasn't just strangers who didn't want them. It was their own family. And so because of that, they actually ended up in something that resembled more of a cave that was set up to hold animals. Merry Christmas, right? But then Luke tells us about the last interruption in the Christmas story. This is what he shares, starting in verse 8. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Let's talk about the shepherds for a moment. Shepherds during that time were outcasts. They were hated by many people, considered untrustworthy and unclean. Uh, And ultimately, these aren't even just normal shepherds. These are the night shift shepherds, right? These are guys who don't have a lot going for them. They're not special. They're not revered. To be honest, they're just normal, lost, broken, messy people. They're a lot like us. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And so here we go again. God sends an angel to interrupt these guys' lives. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. When I read the Bible, I often try to put myself into the shoes of the people in the story. Like, how would I feel if I was doing my job and in the middle of the night, an angel appeared to me and said, hey, don't be afraid. I've got good news for you. First, just because you told me not to be afraid doesn't mean I'm not going to be afraid. I would have been just as terrified as they were. But second, I totally would have wanted to know what the catch was, right? Because good news always comes with a catch. Or you're telling me you have good news that will bring great joy, but what does the fine print say? My wife works for FCPS, and part of their contract this year was that they got a bonus, which was really cool. Uh, but a few weeks ago, it hit our bank account, she texted me, and she was so excited. And I texted her back, hey, that's great news, but just a heads up, They taxed it, so it's about 75% of what you expected, right? And that's what good news feels like. Last month, I brought my six-year-old to the doctor with a sore throat, so she had to do a COVID and a strep test. And the doctor came in and said, hey, I've got good news. Elise doesn't have COVID or strep, but I also have bad news. She has another virus that will last a few days, and you will probably get it as well, which I eventually did. It's like when you're friends with a girl that you're really into, so you tell her that you're madly in love with her, and she responds, oh my gosh, I love you too, but like a brother. Right? The good news is that she loves you. The bad news is that you've been friend-zoned for the rest of your life. Good news, it's Christmas season. Bad news, you're going to hear Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas for You one million times in December. Some of you are okay with that. I'm not. Right, good news, the Ravens scored and they're about to tie the game. Bad news, Coach Harbaugh's gonna go for two and try and win. <laughs> right, good news always feels like there's a catch. Right, and so what's the catch to the good news that will bring great joy? Well, the angel continues. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. There is no catch, The good news that brings great joy is that the Savior has been born, that the rescuer that God promised is here, that the Son of God is alive, and the world will never be the same. And it continues, And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. The good news that brings great joy is that Jesus has been born and he has come to save us from our sin. Right? And sin is simply a word that means we're choosing to live a life outside of, of what God has designed for us. Right? It's choosing our way over God's way. And this is something we all struggle with. This. I struggle with this, you struggle with this. We all struggle with, all struggle with sin. And our sin leads us to a life that's full of pain, brokenness, destruction, emptiness, all of it. And God saw this, so he sent Jesus to come and save us so that when we put our faith in him, we can experience forgiveness. We can experience new life. We can experience grace. We can experience good news. Good news of unconditional love from the creator of the world. Good news of forgiveness of our sins. Good news of grace. Good news that there's nothing we can do to make God love us more, and there's nothing we can do to make God love us less. Good news of endless second chances. Good news of a life that's better than the one that we can imagine. Good news of freedom from our past. Good news of restoration and resurrection of the broken things in our life. Good news of peace, hope, and love. This is what Jesus came to bring for Joseph and Mary, for the shepherds, For us, God interrupted the world to tell us that there is good news that brings great joy and that it's for everyone, including me and including you. And so while we all agree that being interrupted is probably the worst, this is a good interruption. This is an interruption that we need. And the truth is that God wants to interrupt your life to bring good news that brings great joy. So maybe you should let God interrupt your life. Maybe you should let God interrupt your marriage. Maybe you should let God interrupt your friendships, your mental health, your career, your family. Because this story reminds us that when God interrupts our life, it is to bring good news and great joy. And I'm not sure there's anything better than that. And while this year and really the past 21 months have been full of interruptions that have been infuriating, right? The truth is it just flat out sucked. I wanna share some of the interruptions I saw God make this year with people in this church. I've seen God interrupt addictions. People who have struggled for years with alcohol, drugs, or sex, and have tried to break those addictions on their own without much success. But then they allowed God to step in, and through his grace and truth, men and women have stepped out of addiction and into recovery, all because they let God interrupt their life and change how they see themselves and honestly how they fight their battles. I've seen God interrupt marriages in the best way, marriages that were just kind of existing, not good or bad, just there. And I've watched couples as they've gotten tired of the status quo of marriages that lack intimacy and vulnerability, and they've allowed God to interrupt their marriages. They sought out marriage counseling. They started praying together and reading their Bible together. They have taken what they learned when we talked about God's design for sex in marriage and they put it into practice. And their marriages are stronger than they've ever been before all because they decided to let God interrupt their marriage. Probably the biggest way that I've seen this happen this year is in people's faith. There are people in this church who have walked away from God, people who have been burned by the church, people who have given up on the church, but they felt like something was missing from their lives. And after pursuing everything the world has to offer, including careers and money and Instagram followers, they decided to let God interrupt their life and walked into the doors of this church after years away. Right? This is men and women, this is young and old, and they are finding faith again, taking next steps again, falling in love with the church again, all because they let God interrupt their faith. There are people working on their mental health because God interrupted their lives, and through community in this church, they learned that it's okay to not be okay, and that they can love Jesus and have a therapist too. There are people who have gotten out of toxic relationships that were full of abuse because God interrupted their lives and let them know that they are loved, they are valuable, and they have worth people who are becoming better parents because they let God interrupt their lives and ultimately interrupt their past parental pain, and it has changed how they are raising their kids, people who are dealing with years of shame, people who are finding true and real and authentic relationships, people who are confronting the sin in their life, people who are making an impact on the people around them, all because they let God interrupt their lives. And none of these things have been easy Right? Interruptions are never easy, but these people have leaned into the interruptions, and now they are seeing God move in incredible ways, and they are experiencing good news that brings great joy. And that's ultimately what we want, right? I mean, that's, that's why you're here tonight, because you are hoping God can and will do something in your life. And so you're showing up here, and you're looking for something, and you're looking for a sign. Well, here it is, Over 2000 years ago, God interrupted the world and Jesus was born. Jesus, who is the son of God, would live a life that was without sin and he would give up his life as a sacrifice for you. And There are no strings attached, there is no catch. It doesn't matter how jacked up you are, how broken you are, it doesn't matter what you have done, Jesus loves you and he died for you. And what God wants more than anything else is to interrupt your life so you can experience the life he has for you. He wants to interrupt your marriage your family, your purpose, your faith. And he wants to bring healing and hope and peace and joy to every area of your life. And so the question is, will you let him do that? Will you let God interrupt your life tonight? But not just tonight, right? Tonight's easy. Not just tonight, but next week. When the lights are taken down and the presents have all been opened and December switches to January, will you let God interrupt your life? And there are two very practical ways that you can do that right now that we are here to help you with. This is the easiest application you'll ever get. And Daniel said it earlier. The first is simply to come back. Don't make God a one-time thing or a once-a-year thing. Because you'll never truly see what God can do in your life if you passively follow him and don't allow him to actually interrupt your time and interrupt your week and interrupt your day. The second way that you can let God interrupt your life tonight is by actually making decisions. Let him be your leader, your Lord, and your savior to allow God to be the person who he is meant to be for you, right? And that starts by taking the step and saying, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. And if that is something that you are looking for or longing for, you came here hoping for that sign, here it is. What we need you to do and what we want you to do is to check the baptism box on the digital connection card. You can scan that QR code again. You can head to Next Steps after service. But here's the thing. Don't, Don't leave today and hope that you will find the time to be interrupted later to take these next steps, right? Do it right now. Don't put it off any longer and wait till life gets harder before you let God in. Choose to do it today. Now let's go back to see how the rest of this story plays out, right? So God interrupts the shepherds in the field. He disrupts their lives and he tells them that there's good news that brings great joy and the proof is lying in a manger in Bethlehem. And so putting yourself in their shoes, what would you do next? Go back to work? Would you pretend like nothing happened? Would you keep living your life the way that you've always done it? Honestly, would you just get angry at God because he interrupted your night and it's one of your pet peeves? Or would you head to Bethlehem? Would you let that be the turning point in your life? Here's what the shepherds did. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Ultimately, they're saying, hey, let's see if this is actually real because this is what we want. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story was astonished. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and, and, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. When I was working on this message for Christmas Eve, uh, I was originally going to close it out with this like, really incredible story uh, about a guy named Andy Harris from the book Into Thin Air. But as I practiced, I just felt like something was off. And so I deleted it uh, because I felt like God was nudging me to share some vulnerability and just something from my heart. The last two years have been incredibly hard, which is probably the understatement of a lifetime, right? But personally for me, the last few months have been the hardest because it's just been interruption after interruption after interruption. And I know for me personally, I'm just feeling incredibly worn out. It seems like every few days I get an email or text saying that I'm a close contact with someone who has COVID and you know what that does. It interrupts your work, your family, your friendships, your peace of mind. Add that to the stress of wanting tonight to be perfect because it's our first Christmas together in two years. Wanting desperately to preach a sermon that brings hope to you and your friends and the family that you've brought with you. Something that actually gets people to want to allow Jesus to be a part of their lives. trying to lead this movement, this church called Collective through 21 months of COVID, a capital campaign, a building renovation and beyond, all while staying focused on the goals that we have to see life change, to baptize people, to collect tens of thousands of pounds of food for our city and create more space for people to bump into Jesus. On top of that, there's the stress of parenting, which many of you understand. Having my wife who's a teacher and my kid in school last week while people on TikTok think it's funny to threaten harm. And for the past few months, I have lived with a constant anxiety to the point where my heart has not stopped racing. And all of this has interrupted my presence as a husband my patience and my love as a father, my ability to focus, my peace of mind, my sleep, my relationships. It's just interruption after interruption after interruption. And I know, I know what many of you are going through. And I know that many of you would trade your pain and anxiety for mine, and I totally understand that. But here's why I share this. My past two years have been interrupted by fear, anger, depression, anxiety, insecurity, everything, you name it. And I can't help but think you probably feel the same way. Tired, worn out, frustrated, sad, confused. So whatever you are going through, whatever anxiety you are feeling, whatever brokenness is attacking your life, whatever is interrupting your life and causing you pain, that is why we need Jesus, right? That is why you need Jesus. That is why I need Jesus, Our life is always going to be full of interruptions that we don't want, and they will eventually wear us down. That's inevitable. It's even more so right now. But there is only one interruption that brings good news and great joy, and I need that. I need that so badly right now, and I'll need it tomorrow, and I'll need it the next day, and I'll need it the next day, and the next, and I am sure you need it too. So don't leave this place tonight looking for hope or peace or joy or forgiveness or grace in this world because it's not gonna happen, but it's right here. It is right here. What you are longing for and what you are looking for and what you need is to let God interrupt your life so you can experience the good news that brings great joy that only he can offer. Let's pray. God, it seems weird to pray for this, but we pray for interruption, but the good kind. Um, God, our our life is full of interruption. Um, It was that way before COVID, it's more so now. It's just every single day we get interrupted by something that we don't want, that we don't need, that causes us stress, that causes us pain, that causes us anxiety, that causes us fear. And God, as we work our way through life, we try to avoid interruptions, but the truth is there's one interruption that we should let in. God, there's one interruption that we need, and that is an interruption from you to stop everything, to stop us in our tracks, to pause everything, to interrupt our life so that you can show us what good news and great joy looks like. God, over 2,000 years ago, you did that to some shepherds in a field, some people who are just like us. God, ultimately, that's what we want. So God, I pray tonight can be an interruption. God, I pray tonight uh, can be a turning point. God, I pray tonight is a night where we decide to allow you into our life so we can push all the other stuff out so that we can experience the things that you offer us. God, so that we can experience joy and we can experience hope. God, so that we can experience peace and grace and the wonderful things that you offer us. So God, we pray that you interrupt our lives. God, that you step into our marriages, that you intervene in our families and you bring your goodness into those things. And so God, we pray that tonight is a night where we let that happen. God, that we don't walk away and, and walk out, garbage ornament, go to a restaurant, go to bed, wake up the next day and pretend like nothing happened. But God, just like the shepherds, we hear this good news and we go and check it out and we allow it to play a role in our life. So God, we pray for interruption. God, we're, thank you, we're thankful that you interrupted the world 2,000 years ago, but God, we want it right now in our own lives as well. God, we thank you for the ways that you love us. God, we thank you for sending your son. We thank you for the opportunities to celebrate that even among the interruptions that drag us down. God, we thank you for the joy that you brought. We love you and pray this in your name, amen.